Exodus chapter 20, verse number 6 is where we will begin this evening. And uh, oftentimes uh, we do not connect the dots of the scripture. When you have themes that begin at the beginning of the Word of God and go all the way through the end of the Bible. For example, we find Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 6, the Bible says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now the word commandments and the word law are synonymous. They mean the same thing. God's law, God's commandments. When you look at verse number 6 and you connect that then to James chapter 1, verse number 26, uh, verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. That's the Bible that we hold in our hands. It begins as recorded there in Exodus chapter 20. The Bible says then, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want to finish the message this evening that I began this morning, the perfect law of liberty. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. I pray that we would reason and think logically, look at the truth and the light of the scripture. May it affect our thinking. May it affect our behavior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We learned this morning that God has established laws to direct our world and the universe. These laws that God have put, has put in place have been in control since the day of the days of creation. The laws of science, the laws of nature, the law of biogenesis, that life begets life, the law of physics, the law of chemistry, the law of mathematics, the law of planetary motion, the law of, of uh, uh, logic, the law of uniformity of nature. All of this let us, lets us know that God is in control of all of life and our world. We also learn that there are laws of liberty. And if you want to be blessed in your life, blessed in a man's deed, we have to obey the laws of liberty. Now, the universe, it has no choice. It is forced to follow the laws of God. The planets that have been placed in orbit, now and again, scientists will come out and they're afraid God's about to lose control. And uh, this crowd now, I think uh, uh, the uh, uh, current man in the White House said the biggest danger that we threat, uh, uh, the biggest danger and threat to us today is uh, global warming. And uh, uh, the biggest danger that America faces today is a rejection of God. That's the biggest danger that we face. Uh, but uh, we understand that God is in control. And all of these things are in place. When it comes to the uh, law of liberty, you and I are not forced to obey those laws. 
You and I do not have to love God. You and I do not have to obey God. He wants us to choose to love Him. He wants us to choose to obey Him. He said, if you want life, choose life. If you want death, choose death. But I'm giving you the option. Now, God has established this law of liberty. And if we want to live in freedom rather than bondage, if we want to choose life rather than death, we can choose to follow the perfect law of liberty. Now, there may be some deceptive enjoyment while traveling on the broad road to destruction, but make sure you understand that the broad road of destruction only leads to one place, listen to me now, it leads to the destination of destruction every single time. Every time. And so tonight I preach the Word of God as a God-called man of God to say, do not go on the broad road of destruction. While there are many advertisements of fun and shiny and happy things uh, that will give you pleasure for a a bit of time, it leads to destruction. And I want to say, though it may be difficult in times to walk the straight and narrow of obedience to the law of God, it's worth it because it leads to a life of blessing and a life even of prosperity in the will of God. Now, Exodus chapter 20 is the listing of the Ten Commandments. This is the foundation of God's law that's given to us through Moses, that great leader. Now, just a casual reading of similar verses and passages like this, we learn this. Don't miss the statement now. We can only love God by keeping His commandments. We can't love Him by feeling only. We can't love Him by expression only. But the one truth is taught, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The way you love me is to obey my law. Understand, God is not putting us under a law to make him wealthy. God said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you for help because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. We we don't need to make him wealthy. We don't need to make him God. We don't need to make him king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he doesn't want me to obey his law as a slave of bondage, but he wants me to obey his law as a servant of blessing. That's all God wants in our life, but he tells us you and I must choose. Exodus 20, verse number 6, he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I'll read a few other verses. Leviticus 26, the Bible says in verse number 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. You understand God's in charge of the rain. It's interesting to me, I've been in Palm Springs and I've been in Palm Desert. The difference is it rains in Palm Springs, it doesn't rain in Palm Desert. Nobody out there is in charge of it, but God of heaven is. God chooses 
It's interesting. Now God chooses where it will rain and where it won't rain. And God said in this verse, if you'll obey my commandments, I'll give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. You know why God can make that promise? He's in charge of the fruit trees. You know why God can make that promise? He's in charge of the land. Deuteronomy 5.10 says the same thing. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Take your Bibles and join me at 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9, I'm giving to you a sampling of where the Bible says if we obey His commandments, if we keep His law, then God will bless us and we will live in liberty. Our lives will be blessed if we keep the law of liberty. Now, 1 Kings chapter 9, notice what the Scripture says is beginning in verse number 1 and we'll read through verse number 5. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which he was pleased to do that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if... Thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments. Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever as I promised to David thy father saying there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. You know what God said? You obey my commandment. If you follow the law of liberty, you're going to have liberty. I'll respond to that. I'll bless that. I read yet the very same thing. As Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 9, in his prayer he quoted the Lord and he said, But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from fence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. You know what God's saying to Israel? Your sin caused you to be scattered and heathen possessed the land that I prepared for you. Now, Nehemiah, you have come back to rebuild the walls around the city, to rebuild the protection. And I want to tell you, if you'll obey Obey my commands, I will regather those that have been scattered. I will rebuild my nation and my name in this place if you'll keep my commandments. The same message, it begins in Exodus chapter 20. We find it going through Nehemiah. Proverbs chapter 3, or uh, chapter 3, verse number 1. My son, forget not my law, let thine heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 7, verse number 2. Keep my commandments and live, and my law 
as the apple of thine eye. In that verse, we have commandments and law, synonyms in the same verse. Keep my commandment, keep my law, and you'll live, you'll enjoy life. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 15, Jesus says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. That's the same thing he said in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth and all the way through. And now Jesus is saying the same thing. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, verse number 10. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We go to the first epistle of John just before Jude in Revelation and we have these same words. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In every case you have a connection to loving God with obeying God. There is a vast difference in the expressions of love and examples of love. Did you get what I said? Say amen. There's a vast difference in the expressions of love and the examples of love. We have so relished in the wonderful grace of God toward us for salvation that we have taken advantage of that grace to the place that we love what God does for us, but we don't have enough love for Him to keep His commandments. You see, we live in a day where there is less sacrifice. It didn't take much to knock folks out of attending church. It, it, it didn't take much at all to keep folks from, now we can go to work, but I have to work because I need money, but I don't need God. If it's, if it's convenient, I'll go to church if I'm not tired, if I'm not feeling bad, if I'm not... Are you with me? Now, I'm thankful for the grace of God, and in no way am I reducing the grace of God, for if it were not for the grace of God, we could not have salvation. We would be lost in our sin. But, dear friend, because of the grace of God that's been given to us, it does not mean that we can now throw away the law of God because the law of God is how we love the God of grace. Did you hear what I said? That's not how I get saved, but that's how I love God. I'm saved by His marvelous grace. I am saved because of His payment for our sins on Calvary, because of the fact that we are, we are less than the glory of God. We have sinned. We need His grace. But dear friend, you can't throw the law away because the law from the beginning of the Bible all the way through is the perfect law of liberty. Many have little desire to know God. You know what Paul said? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. Paul was willing to go to jail, to be beaten, to whatever it took to get the gospel witness out. 
We think because we cannot keep the law for salvation that we don't need the law at all. But it's the law that keeps our lives together. It's the obedience to what the Bible says that keeps our homes together. It's what keeps our societies together. You know why our societies, you know why our cities and towns are not safe to be in? Because we've thrown away the laws of God. When we throw them away and we even are saying defund the law. Let's let's not support the law. The law is getting in the way of us having fun. And and there is and there are uh, murders and there are riots and there a uh, property that's being destroyed and being ruined because we want to do away with the perfect law that brings liberty. You see, it's the law that keeps our nation together. It's obedience to the law that keeps our minds together, that keeps our lives together, that keeps our emotions together and many have confused an expression of love for an act of love tonight's church service singing and music is an expression of love obedience to his commands is an act of love expressions are important we're supposed to praise him The Bible is filled with praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift your voice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're supposed to praise God. But praise from a disobedient Christian is like promises of an unfaithful husband. A man who tells his wife that he loves her, but he doesn't come home at night. A man that tells his wife he loves her, but he does not provide for her. A man that tells his wife he loves her, and yet he is unfaithful to her. You see, it's an easy thing to praise God, but that's not how you love God. You love God by being obedient to His commands. Take your Bibles and go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. One of the strong statements of the book of James is that he would show his faith by his works. Now, he makes clear that works do not save us, but works do prove that we love God, obedience to His commands. James chapter 4, verse number 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You see, we rejoice in the fact that God is willing to save anyone. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. 
Somehow we conclude, though, that since grace forgives all sin, that the law then is useless. But the Bible says from the beginning to the very words of Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Praise praise is an expression of love. Prayer is an act of love. Singing is an expression of love. Witnessing is an act of love. Talking of our love for him is an expression of love. Tithing is an act of love. Shouting is an expression of love. Separation from worldliness is an act of love. Testifying is an expression of love. Telling others about Jesus is an act of love. Saying we love God is an expression of love. Sacrificing for the work of Christ is an act of love. You say, preacher, if our praise is up here and our obedience is down here, are you preaching that we should lower our praise? No. We ought to keep our praise here, but we ought to, keep our, we ought to take our obedience up there with our praise. Anybody can shout in church. But it's not everyone who's willing to be faithful to what... I've seen college students, they come to the place that they get all excited about the shout. But when it comes to the daily faithfulness of obedience, they're not always there. And they learn that shouting about God... He deserves my praise. But he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You've heard me use this illustration. I can honestly say I love ice cream. I like just about any kind of ice cream. My favorite has just a little bit of peanut butter in it somewhere, but I like ice cream. And that is a true and an honest statement. But it means I love what ice cream does for me. When the Bible says that Christ loved the church, he is not saying I love the church because what the church does for me. He is saying Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. At some point in time in our Christian life, we have to get Jesus. They sing the song, I love Jesus better than ice cream. I love Jesus better than pizza. It's a fun song. It's a funny song. But the truth is pizza and ice cream are oftentimes, when it comes to obedience, have a higher rating than Jesus does. What have we given to Christ? What have we sacrificed for him? The Bible tells us that a man is to love his wife 
Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I teach that week after week or every week that I do uh, premarital and marital counseling. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that you love your wife for what she does for you. You love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. We have to some point in time get our obedience to match our shout because it is not the shout that gives liberty, it's obedience to the law that gives liberty. There must be churches. There must be Christians where we go beyond being thankful for the grace of God. Where we go beyond shouting about the grace of God for our salvation and decide, I'm going to keep his commandments. I'm talking about Christians that are dedicated and serious and yielded servants of the Lord. And I'm glad tonight to pastor a church where there are many, many people that are faithful to serve God. Dedicated committed in their place. I mean their place is as important to them as the workplace on Monday morning. They're in their place. And we've got to understand that our nation... I hear folks say, well, most important thing is that folks get saved. I understand that, and that's true. But we can't say to the church, since the most important thing is to get saved... We're going to forget all of this talk about being separated from the world. We're going to forget all of this uh, talk about what the book of Titus teaches about the grace of God, teaches us to deny ungodly lust. Uh, there must be some churches that say, not only are we going to preach the grace for salvation, we're going to preach the grace for Christian living too. You see, it is that kind of dedication that produces the gospel preacher to the next generation. If we don't have dedication, if we don't have separation, if we don't have consecration, if we don't come to the place that we are allowing God to sanctify our lives, too many Christians are living their lives saying, well, there's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing wrong with this. And they have so many thises in their life, they never do anything for God. There must be a dedication if we're going to raise another generation to preach the word. We, we can't turn the church into an entertainment center and just to get 10,000 people to come so we can get folks to pray a, 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 a prayer of salvation. And salvation is important, but dear friend, the church is the bride of Christ and the bride represents purity and the bride represents cleanliness and the bride represents holiness and we need that in our churches today. We need to understand that separation from the world is important. We need to understand that living a life of holiness is important. We need to understand that standards of dress and music and vocabulary and fellowship is important. It'd be an awkward thing to see men coming into church next week wearing dresses. And yet we come to the place today that women dress like men. We haven't yet come to the place as public, though it's coming. 
Governor Bashir celebrated a bunch of drag queens coming to Frankfurt in the governor's mansion. He has pictures taken with a bunch of men wearing dresses and makeup. That's an odd thing to us. But we've forgotten what the Bible says about men dressing like men and ladies dressing like ladies. But that's what the Bible says. We've come to the place that we confuse our children because we say one thing and yet the picture we portray is different. Talking with the slang of the world and knowing more about last Friday's movies than this morning's devotion is not going to do much to bring a world back to Christ. I'll read to you two verses from the book of Joel. Joel the prophet was preaching what I'm preaching tonight. We can't, we can't live like the world and follow the idols and the heathen behavior of the world and expect God to bless it. And so he preached, we need to repent. And so they had a repentance service. And they put on sackcloth and ashes and they put on the black clothes that they were repenting. And here's what the Bible says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. He said, don't go through the actions like you love God. Don't sing, oh, how I love Jesus on Sunday, and know more about Hollywood during the week. That's like a man saying to his wife, I love you, but I'm not going to be faithful to you. Am I not preaching the Bible to you tonight? The nation of Israel is a prime example of this behavior. They would allow the heathen to influence them. They would leave obedience and worship to the commandments of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 13, he said, You've been around the people of Ashdod, the heathen of Ashdod, that your language... Your language is like Ashdod. You don't talk like children of God. You don't talk like Hebrews. You think it's neat. You think it's cool. You, 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 you think it's impressive to talk like the heathen. Now, Nehemiah's sermon was a little stronger than mine. Nehemiah said, I'm going to take you by the hair of the head if you don't straighten up. Sort of like my mom, she didn't say exactly that when I misbehaved in church, but it was something on the line of murder. I don't remember exactly what it was. I want to ask you tonight to consider loving the Lord by keeping His commandments. There's one law of liberty. We can't break the law of science. We can't break the law of mathematics. We can't break the laws of physics. We can't break the laws that are set in place but if you want, you can break the law of liberty. You can. But it is a choice of death. It's a choice of destruction. The only hope in this world, the only hope in this world is for God's people to let their light shine. We, we, I, I don't see any hope 
in our federal government at all. I don't see any hope in Frankfurt at all. We do have some good men and good women. If they would work as hard to close the abortion clinics as they have to advance the cause of alcohol and gambling, the abortion clinics haven't been closed. They've been like the liquor stores. They've been open. Not willing to take a stand and fight to close them. If there's hope, that hope is in the Lord. God said of all the laws that I have, I'm going to give you a choice if you want to obey mine. But he said, if you love me, I want you to do more than praise me. I want you to do more than sing. I want you to do more than testify. If you love me, I want you to keep my commandments. And I'm going to testify tonight. It's a wonderful life in the will of God. I don't want the world to influence my life, our life. I want everybody to know whose team I'm on. Everybody. I want everybody to know that I'm a child of the King. I desire to present that in a way that's not pharisaical. I'm not better than anyone. I, I pray I'm just acceptable in His sight. That ought to be the hunger and the desire of God's people. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight.